it's not an idle question. I, it, it's not a, a hypothetical question. It's not a, um, I don't know, a crazy posit a college professor one might throw at a class just to kind of get their brains a moving. No, this is a real question, a legitimate question, because I don't think we've done a great job answering it, or at least not recently. And that question is very simply, what's a job? What's a job? What is a job? Not what is work, not what is a job for, not where are the jobs, not why is a job, and not that. Not that that does kind of wander far afield of what we want to talk about. I just simply want to say, what is a job? And I think if you well, honestly, you've probably half of you have skipped this podcast already. But anyway, the rest of you sticking around, I think there's so much to unpack from this idea that help us understand where the friction, where the issues are, where the problems are in our hiring, in our recruiting, in all of our talent management and development and all that other good stuff. I think the unwillingness of us to sit down and have this conversation and have a shared understanding of what it means to what to understand what a job is is crucial to getting great work done. So that's what we're going to talk about. We'll be right back. Welcome to the TalentCast, the world's most caffeinated employer brand and recruiting podcast. I'm your host, James Ellis. Thanks so much for listening. If this is your first time for joining in, we do things a little differently. We try and do deep dives. There's not a lot of interviews here. There's not a lot of news here. This is about how do we get smarter and better? And that means how do I get you smarter and better? How do I get you to think about these problems at a deeper level so that you can solve them and look like a genius to your boss? If this isn't the first time you've been here, thanks so much for returning. Feel free to share with your friends, your coworkers, your boss. I don't know. Uh, we really do appreciate that. All right, let's get into it. Hey, how you doing? James Ellis here. Uh, housekeeping. I'm trying to curtail some of my speaking. I think I've got two or three speaking gigs left for the year. Uh, RecruitCon and HireConf come to mind immediately. I think that might actually be all I've got officially booked. The day job is is going to keep me busy. I'm just going to put it out that way. Um, going to be a lot of fun. It's becoming a lot of fun as I learn what the job is, but... Uh, <laughs> It's gonna, there's going to be a lot more travel. So I'm going to pull back on my travel a little bit, but I'm going to definitely try and keep the podcast going every week, as you've expected. And as I'm recording this a week early, I don't want to spill the beans because I'm not sure exactly what beans I want to spill. But there is news on the book. Yes, there is news on the book. Yes, it's true. It's true. It's true. Uh, one way or another, I will definitely know by next podcast what's going on and have details. So there's that. So let's talk about a job. What is a job? And I've, I've, I've thrown this question out in a couple of speaking gigs before, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, everybody has a very different sense of what a job is, which to me is indicative that there's a problem. If we don't all, if we're all we're doing is, you know, you know, indeed is what famous for having t-shirts. This is, I help people get jobs. Well, what is a job? Uh, if your whole business, if your whole industry, if your whole concept of what it means to be a recruiter is based on I help people get jobs or I get people jobs or I help you know help people find jobs or however you want to frame it or phrase it the object of that sentence i.e. the job needs to be clear so here's how I want to do this I'm going to break this down a couple of different ways and first is I'm going to say from a couple of different points of view answer the question of what it is what a job is so here we go we're going to start this way to a candidate what is a job well that actually comes in two different answers. Two, one is the actual job itself, and that is the money and salary that comes along with job, which of course means the ability to pay bills, the ability to, to keep yourself warm and fed and keep your family safe and all that good stuff. Uh, it is stability. A job isn't something that turns off at the drop of a hat or randomly. It is something with some sense of, okay, I'll probably do this tomorrow. I mean, there's a 
statistical possibility that the job might vanish out of nowhere, but chances are day to day usually doesn't. You know, right? That's a that's a an outlier. That happens very infrequently. Whether or not it happens more infrequently or less infrequently is not is a piece of data I don't have my hands on right now, so I'm not going to get into it. But generally, when you say you have been hired, we all know the process of firing someone or making jobs go away is not easy, and thus companies generally tend to not do it unless they absolutely have to. So they're incentivized to keep that job going. So there's there's a sense of stability, right? Great. Okay. Cool. There's a sense of growth. As I do the job, I get better at the job. I, I'm, I'm blanking now. What's the learning curve that's, or the, the, there's someone actually plotted, I think I've mentioned this before, the sense that as you learn how, as a company, let's say, launches a product, let's say it makes uh, posters, right? And the longer it does it, it increases its productivity because as it does the job, it finds opportunities to make things move faster. They adjust the supply chain. They adjust the layout of the factory. They bring in people who have more experience at it. They uh, find opportunities to kind of move pieces together or shift processes or really think through the process so there's an opportunity to learn about the process to get better at it. It's just natural process to the point where industry after industry can literally map once they start launching a product at X cost, they know two years from now or 18 months from now, the cost will be X percent lower. I mean, it's, it's, it's really well measured. It's a pretty thing. And I really should know the name of this curve off the top of my head. And I do not. Um, but as you do your job, you get better, right? You find opportunities and ways of streamlining processes, skipping steps that aren't important, batch processing, moving things around. Uh, there's all sorts of ways, not to mention technology. Imagine the, you know, <laughs> most recruiters have at least had this thought, whether they've done it or not. They know that when they integrate automated scheduling into their lives, it makes more, it gives us more time to do the other stuff. So as tools in are inserted into the process, they have the chance to make things move faster. And as things move faster and quicker, there's more opportunity either to do better or more or to add on more skills. It's an opportunity, right? It's an opportunity to grow. It's an opportunity for some sort of future that is hopefully shared between the company and the employee, uh, but it is a definitely a future, right? It is a growth opportunity. That's how a candidate sees the job as an employee, but what the candidate sees in terms of a job as a candidate is this is the doorway into the company. So if you are in love with company Y and you wanna work there, the job is the way in. You don't just walk in and say, I now am an employee of company Y. Give me the paperwork. It doesn't work that way, I, I think. It hasn't for me. I'm just gonna put that out there. It has never worked for me. Not that I've tried a lot, uh, but it hasn't worked for me. I think if you want to join a company, you do it by getting a job. Uh, even C-suite people would say that that's true. They'd say, uh, yes, they were headhunted and they were found and they were vetted, but in the end, they got the job of being the COO, CEO, CFO, whatever it is, right? They got it as a job. So to the candidate, the job, what a job is, is the doorway into the company and all the future and ancillary opportunity benefits that come along with it. It is the doorway. It is a portal into a company. Okay, so that's how a candidate sees a job. Straightforward stuff, right? I mean, nobody may have explained it all like that, but it's none of that surprising, none of that shocking. So let's go in from another direction. To a business, from a business's standpoint, what is a job? Well, for a long time, to a business, a job was a series of tasks that someone would accomplish. Your job is a tool and die person. Your job is to cut tools and dies to make sure the machines work. That is your job. 
that's what you do. You spend your time making the little machine parts. You make the tools, making all the bits that cut pieces out. That's what you do. You're a nurse. Your job is to do what the doctor says, to take some temperatures, to check charts, to administer medicine, to administer fluids, to do the tasks. Your job as an electrician, your job is to show up and to fix the problem or to install the thing. That is the job of an electrician, to a business anyway, right? But what's happened, and I probably could put a point a number of fingers in a lot of different places, so I'm not going to bother because I don't think it's, it's pertinent and, and necessary germane to this conversation. But over the last couple of years, maybe even the last decade or two, perhaps this is somehow connected to the growth of this internet thing. Uh, so there you go. Jobs are less about tasks and more about outcomes. So if you're a salesperson, your job is not to pick up a phone and dial. Your job is not to smile and dial. Your job is not to cold call. Your job is not to log those calls into some sort of tool like a Salesforce or a CRM or something like that. Your job is not to show up at 9 and leave at 5. Your job is not to sit in that seat and wait for the phone to ring. Right? I mean, it is. You're supposed to do those things. But the reason you do those things is because your job is to sell stuff. Simple as that. Now, those are processes and steps and tasks in the service of selling stuff, which is fine, but your job is to sell stuff. You do all the steps right, but you don't make any sales, you're probably getting fired, right? If you are making all the tools and dies that are asked of you, but you do it slowly, or the ones you make don't quite fit right, or there's a lot of rework, or there's a lot of doesn't quite fit on the machine, or it's not quite what I ask for, you did the job, but you are getting fired, right? Sorry, I didn't mean to harp on this getting fired thing. That gets, I know that's a little bit of a trigger warning for some people, um, right? But your job is not to just do the thing. Your job is to do something in service of a thing. There's an outcome. There's a reason you do it right? That's outcome driven. Now what's funny is while we innately know that jobs are about outcomes, HR and a lot of times leadership and definitely a lot of times recruiting treats the job like a series of tasks. Look at most job descriptions or most job postings. They will list with a monster bulleted list, which mean, which is the language they use when they mean business, right? Bulleted list, that means HR and legal go, oh, here we go. You know, bolt it up here, kids, let's go. Uh, the bulleted list says these are the things you will be doing, not what you'll be accomplishing, what you'll be doing. Things like, and this is always my favorite, this to me is the proof, proof that I'm on the right path here. Every job posting has, or at least almost every, must be an excellent and written communicator, right? right? It has something like that. That is a task. You will write and speak well. In service of what? Does that mean I write haiku? Am I writing opera? Am I standing on a stage singing? These are all written and spoken types of communication. Am I writing a novel? Are we doing poetry? Oh, I'm writing an email that says this is why you should do your job. Or this is a report that says this is why we missed our target or this is what we need to do to hit our target. Oh, so you're saying the task is to write and speak, but the outcome is to communicate to various different audiences about things like work being done, expectations being set, training, etc., etc. Simple as that. Look at the bulleted list on all your job postings. Must know Excel. Great, I know Excel. How much? We could quibble about that. But 
Why? Is it to do data entry? In which case you're talking about very, 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 very simple XML to the point where you almost don't need to know XML to do data entry in XML. Someone will teach you that in three seconds and you're like, okay, got it. I know how to, I know how to use a keyboard. I know how to use the arrow key. Got it. I will do data entry. Got it. Then there's VLOOKUP tables and pivot tables and all the other stuff that comes with the end. You know, there's data analysis, the deduping process, data cleaning and hygiene. All that stuff can happen in Excel. So when you say must know Excel, to do what? What task am I really performing? And then finally in service of what? Am I doing data entry so that we have the data that's being, are we trans transitioning from one system to another and there's some element of human interaction and data entry that needs to be done? Okay, got it, you need to be precise and, 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 and fast and data entry -y. versus someone who's doing data analysis. It's a different job, it's a different outcome, it's a different purpose. A data analyst, might know Excel infinitely better than a data input person, a data uh, processor, but the data analyst might not be able to be as good at data entry as the data analyst. Same tool, it's not a single spectrum. It's about what's the purpose of the tool, what is the outcome, what is the, the value you're trying to derive. At the same time, the business also sees a job as growth, right? Your company doesn't hire people just because it's fun, because let's be fair, it's not. <laughs> Your company hires people because it has a business need to solve. We would make more money if we had another person picking up a phone and selling our stuff to Topeka. We need to, enter, we need to build an, a Topeka branch or a Topeka space, so we need to hire someone who knows the Topeka agent area so they can call everybody at Topeka and say, do you want to buy our thing? And if we don't hire that person, those are all sales we will never get. So if we have somebody here to do the job of picking up the phone and making those sales happen, we make a lot of money. Yay! And you, you hire someone, right? That's, that's pretty much it. If you don't have a business need, if you're like, yeah, we don't have anybody in Topeka, but we don't think we'll ever sell anything in Topeka for whatever reason, so let's hire someone for Topeka, is a conversation that has never happened. It just doesn't happen. Businesses do a lot of things poorly, and they do a lot of things very ham-fistedly, they don't think that that way. That's not how that works. So there's growth in a company. And so a company sees jobs as growth. In fact, some managers effectively measure their importance within a company by how big their team are, i.e. the number of jobs they oversee. It's about growth and power. And all that stuff adds into this idea that a job is really a journey. Now hang with me on this one. Because I'm pretty sure at this point we're getting to the level at which everybody knows this but doesn't talk about it, but that is, the second you write the job posting is the second the job posting begins to decay in value or at least accuracy. So let's say you're hiring a designer and must know Excel, I'm sorry, uh, Photoshop and Illustrator. And the second you write that down is the second it starts to get old because tomorrow, Adobe or some other company launches some new tool that every designer needs to know about. But you didn't write it in the thing. Now, of course, you're not too worried about that because you know a good designer who knows Photoshop and Illustrator is probably learning other things. And they're probably going to learn that tool as soon as you give them access to it. Or maybe they're going to learn it on their own. Maybe they walk in the door with that skill already. Fantastic. And six months later, they're going to want to take their design skills and say, gosh, it would be really good if I understood user experience or information design, or customer experience, or interaction, 
design, right? Did I say interaction design twice? I can't remember. Information design, interaction design, actually literally different things. Um, you can take your design skills, i.e. the ability to draw lines and pixels on digital paper of some sort, and turn it into, okay, now what is that in service of? And that person's job is to grow. But you didn't hire someone who wanted to become a user expert or user experience expert or information design expert, right? You hired a designer to push the pixels around and make them all do the things you want them to do and make sure the logo goes on there, right? So what are you hiring? You hired a job, someone who can do the design, but really the job is a journey. In fact, if you brought in two candidates to that hiring manager say, okay, I got two candidates who are effectively the same. They both have exactly the same amount of skills and abilities in Photoshop and Illustrator. Candidate A is excellent at, at Photoshop and Illustrator, and candidate B is excellent at Photoshop and Illustrator, but also knows iMovie and other video production techniques. The job posting has no information about video technology or information design or anything else beyond must know Photoshop, must know Illustrator. The hiring manager, not being a total fool, says give me the second one because that's extra skills, extra experience I can leverage as it grows. Now, in a perfect world that HR runs, you would say those two candidates are exactly the same. Those, are the, those, those two pictures are the same, as the meme would say, but they're not because we can see there's all these extra skills that the company can tap into that didn't even think it had an opportunity to do so unless it's like, yeah, yeah, bring me the second person. I want to hire that person. That person is more valuable, even though relative to the job posting, they are the same. Based on that metric or those metrics, they are the same. So thus, a job is not a series of tasks or even an outcome. It's a journey. You want to hire the person who brings more skill to the table, and you want to hire the person who wants to learn more skills as they go. If you hire someone and they literally don't learn anything, you've made a horrible hire because nothing changes in this world. I'm sorry, nothing stops changing in this world. It's always changing, it's always moving, it's always adjusting. If you know someone who's an amazing whip and buggy maker, there was a point at which they say, maybe I should get into another industry. Maybe this whole whip and buggy thing isn't gonna pan out. No, no, I'm sticking to this. And there's a joke there, obviously, but we don't, I don't even have to tell it, it's so obvious. You don't wanna hire the digital equivalent or the modern equivalent of a whip and buggy designer as someone who doesn't want to figure out what's next. You want the person who's always pushing the boundaries and always looking for next, always adding their skills, always growing. The job isn't a job. It's not just a series of tasks. It's a journey. You want to hire the person who wants to become the manager. You want to hire the person who eventually wants to add more skills. You want to hire the person who learns from other people and adds their skills to their own to make a 2 plus 2 equals 47 sort of situation. That's called a great candidate and usually a great hire. So to the company, the job isn't just a series of tasks, outcome, growth, and a journey. You're starting to see that there's probably a lot of overlap between how a candidate sees that job and how the business sees that job. But don't you worry, I've got a third audience we haven't really spoken much about, but are no, no less crucial to this conversation. And that is y'all. I mean that, well, maybe not y'all, maybe not specifically you, but certainly recruiters in general. To a recruiter, what is a job? Well, gosh, that's a good question. Because it's not about money. It's not about, or certainly not to the recruiter. The recruiter's getting paid no matter what. Not no matter what, they might get fired, but um, they're not making money off that sale. Even third, you know, and that's, I'm thinking specifically of in-house, but third party, at the same time, they're moving a product around. They're moving a, a candidate around. They're doing something around. They're not there for the growth. They're not there for the stability. They're not there for the outcome. They're not there for the journey. Wait, hold on. Let's rewind a second. 
To recruiter, the candidate is the product they sell or facilitate or support or move around. And that's what a job is. It's an opportunity for a product. Now those are words I haven't used so far in the last, looking at the clock, 19 and a half minutes of talking. Is it weird that to the person doing the job and the person hiring the person, there's a shared understanding. There's a lot of overlap. There's a lot of non-overlap, but there's a lot of core overlap about what the job is. It's about getting money in service of tasks, outcomes, and a journey. We pay you so that you can do the work that drives business value, and it would be super excellent if you could get better at that in some way, shape, or form. That is the covenant of business and the employee, right? We will pay you to do stuff that adds value. And the better job you do of getting better, the more likely you will accelerate your career and your ability to make your own money because you're effectively increasing your value to the company, right? And here comes a recruiter going, you're a product. You're a thing I buy and sell functionally. And that's a problem, I think. I think, it's a, I think that's a real misstep. And I don't know how to solve that, but once you start to understand that how a company and an employer candidate sees a job and how radically different a recruiter sees that job, you'll start to see the massive gap that the recruiter needs to overcome in order to hire better. What do I mean? Thanks for asking. Captain Segway, I appreciate that. You, you nailed that line. You nailed that moment. Just stuck the landing. You got it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not tap dancing. I actually know what I'm about to say next. I just found it funny. There it is. These, and these little sides are why you love me. It's not just the things I say. It's, it's this goofy stuff where I go, where you're just like, what is he, what happened? Did he forget? Did he get hit on the head? Does he need more coffee? All things possible. Anyway, the gap between how a recruiter sees the job and how everybody else sees the job has the following problems. How does a recruiter sell a product? Well, you sell it like you sell any product. Here are the features, here's the value, here's the price. You want it? Yes or no? Now, as we've talked before, hiring isn't a function of quality, quantity, it's a function of quality. You've only got that one open role. You don't need 20 candidates, you don't need 1,000 candidates, you don't need really three candidates. You need one or two so that somebody can feel good about making a choice, but that's you know, more psychological than anything else. You really just need the one person who's amazing at it. If you're selling donuts, at no point do you say, okay, two people who applied to, uh, to eat a donut, I would like to rank you by how likely you are to eat the donut appropriately. Who's, oh, I'm sorry, you've got a gap of three months since the last time you ate a donut. Can you care to explain that? Who here has references on how good they are at eating donuts? Where's the last place you uh, ate a donut? How often did you eat donuts, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's a job about quality, right? But we teach recruiters the job is about treat it like a product. Just get the, put the butts in the seats. Get as many applicants as you can. Pick one, put them in the seat. Facilitate them through the hiring process. And you treat it like a product, like you're making a widget. But here's the candidate saying this is an opportunity for money, stability, growth. Now a good recruiter bridges the gap automatically. They understand that if I say it's a job, do you want it, yes or no, eh, they wouldn't be a very good recruiter. And they do tap into things like, hey, here's the salary. Here's how the job is going to grow. You know what? The, I know the manager really well. They're really focused on growth or they're really focused on performance and they really like these things and what they're looking for is this. And here's how you're going to be, you know, how you're going to feel some sort of satisfaction for taking this job. They sell the opportunity a bit, right? 
But recruiters in that funny position where they also have to kind of talk to the business about the job too. It's a poor company that HR says, okay, I'm throwing this wreck over the wall, go fill it. There's an interaction. You know, if hiring managers and and HR throws the wreck over the wall, the recruiter's job is to say, yeah, I can't find any MBA plumbers for $40,000 a year. That's not a thing I'm going to find. We need to think about this a little bit, right? I'm not going to treat this as a product. I'm going to treat this as an interaction. I'm going to treat this as a journey. Oh, you need an MBA, a plumber, and you hope that one day they want to be an MBA? Okay, that's a different conversation. That might be something I can find. You might need to increase the salary a little bit. 40000 might be a little low, but that's a conversation. You're going to talk about this job as a journey. The recruiter should be writing this job up as a journey or as an outcome. What's the value? When I teach people about writing job descriptions, one of the things I try to hammer home is this idea of what's in it for the candidate. It's not obvious to the candidate what the value is. It's not just the money, which by the way, most of you don't share what the number is, by the way. You should, but that's a separate conversation. But there's not a lot of value of here's how you're adding value to the company. So step one in writing better job descriptions is talk about how the company is trying to make some sort of dent in the universe. It's trying to make a change in the world. It's trying to add value thusly. And you should do a great job making it crystal clear how taking this job, this individual role, whether it's entry level, whether it's CEO, it doesn't matter, how this role supports the mission of making that particular dent in the universe. This is how this job adds value. And there are plenty of articles that will say, hey, candidate, you're relatively new at this process of interviewing, so here's a trick. When they ask you, do you have any questions, a great question to ask is, how does this job add value to the company? And that's obvious, except to the point where you go, why aren't we already telling people that anyway? Why do you have to ask that question? And there's a gap. There's a miss. There's a chance for a recruiter, i.e. y'all, to find ways of thinking about a job differently to communicate it to both audiences appropriately. And I think the more you talk talk about a job to candidates and talk about a job to the business in those different ways in which they see the job, the less likely you are to treat the job as a product and more as something else, more as a, a real opportunity for all parties to help each other. It's not about how do I take this candidate who's going to work for $17 an hour and get $100,000 of value a year, an hour out of them and fleece them because that's what the market will bear. And to the business, it's not about, hey, this is how much it costs to hire those kinds of skills. So maybe we think that how you, how you get that outcome, maybe you do automate something. Maybe you do buy a software tool. Maybe you do off or off, uh, outsource some of those skills or some of those expectations because hiring them completely internally it's too expensive because I understand the market better than you do. And that's the recruiter's job is to figure out what, when we talk about I'm trying to hire a job, understand how that person speaking is thinking, what they're really saying when they say the word job. And that's why I wanted to kind of break this apart and talk about what is a job. And hopefully I've done that in a bit. Hopefully that was a, an interesting way of looking at it and kind of saying, oh yeah, as a recruiter, I, I guess from a candidate and business standpoint, that is how they see it. And that's you know, opening your mind a little bit so you can start to see, ah, there are places and opportunities I can jump in to add value in this process to be better at my job. I didn't plan that landing. It just happened. It just happens sometimes. Sometimes you just get lucky.
So that's all I wanted to say. Thanks so much for listening. As always, share the podcast. Let people know. Uh, I do appreciate it if you're already doing that. Review it. You know the stuff. Otherwise, uh, if you see me at conferences or see me around, I'm like I said, I'm traveling a lot. Um, say hello. Tell me you like the podcast. And I still have stickers, so I'm happy to give those away. So thanks so much for listening. I will talk to you next week. And uh, bye. Well, the music means you've made it to the end of another episode of the Talent Cast. If this was useful to you, do not keep it a secret. Share it with your team. Share it with your boss. Share it with your networks. I don't know. Share it with your mom. Uh, if you have questions you'd like me to answer on a future show or just, you know, general ideas about how to make this thing better, just ping me on Twitter. You know, I'm at the War for Talent. At the War for Talent. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary, yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you, and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.